0: I've hit the record button. <laughs> Ta-da! Ta-da! Dinner! Yay! Good I'm job, guys. Fun. We're all here. Um, Sorry for the extra early requesting. but Is it early? Well, it's 10 o'clock for me and Maggie, and I feel like anything above 11 on a Sunday is early for me.
1: <sighs> yeah, like your first couple hours on a weekend are reserved for, you know, waking up.
0: Exactly. like You You should have at least two or three hours of wake up time, which admittedly mm-hmm. I did this morning, but and that's so my I. body's fault. So.
1: I've done so much shit already. I'm so proud of you. I've
0: <laughs> showered, so I'm clean. I'm at least clean. I walked the dog.
1: Yay!
0: Yeah. Yeah, I took
1: my meds. This is yeah. your friendly whip reminder. Take your goddamn meds. Woo!
0: Do that. Do that thing. Eat oh them. My god. I haven't eaten yet.
1: None of us have. We're all dying. I just want foods. It would be a cranky podcast because we're
0: all hungry. And <laughs> <laughs> oh no, cranky cast. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to cranky
1: cast. Oh I'm my god, we're tired. We're I was cranky. just listening to the my favorite murder episode the day after Trump got elected, and it. Just, isn't it oh, so depressing it so oh my god I know it's just like it feels like the end of the world and everyone is so damn sad
0: I hate listening to any episodes that are set around election time because you can you can just feel the change and like in whatever's going on it sucks I feel you yeah
1: we were just watching like we're doing our rewatch of New Girl and there's this episode in oh season 6 where Jess and Susie go to like mobilize all these like they're trying to get people to sign up to re- or register to vote or whatever the fuck you guys do down there i don't know um but they're like pro hillary and they're so hillary and it's just like oh god Cause it's just you know far, it's a sure thing. it really did uh, yeah. thanks russia. Fuck, you, russia fuck you russia oh shit they're listening oh no they're after yeah, me they fuck know you, russia it's okay you're in canada they don't care it's true <laughs> like, <half. laughs> yeah.
0: You're, you are technically not owned by Russia at this moment like we are so you know yeah. I think they care more about people that they consider uh, forced citizens such as us
1: <laughs> anyway oh, yeah. get property of Russia tattoos uh, well don't joke it might be oh, you, know, you might have to at some point yeah <laughs> let's not do that let's not uh, do that happened before. yeah
0: right. not a funny joke <laughs> Anyway, you tried, Brie, and that's all that matters.
1: No, <laughs> no. Um.
0: Okay, okay. Let's do this shit. Um. I did want to do current events corner today, so I just wanted to throw that out there real quick. Um. Okay. So that's how I'm gonna gonna dive in after the intros. So if all of us are ready, I'll start talking about you know intro shit. Go team. Go team. Go. Hey. Awesome. Hello and welcome back, dear listeners, to the Work in Progress podcast. We are four friends, today three friends who are all creatives on a creative journey together, and we like to talk about those creative things. I don't remember the actual intro line, so this is what's happening. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so it's just the three of us today. Um, We are talking about new projects and how we get into them or what draws us to them, etc. Because all of us are kind of um, in different phases of newer or like we have new projects somewhere on the burner. So figured that would be fun to talk about today so today we've got me maggie and brie athena is a ghost haunting the ether and uh surely if we have any ghost noises that's her aside from that miss maggie if you would like to do your intro
1: okay sure why not um i don't know what the fuck that was about i'm still half asleep <laughs> it's okay we all are uh, hi my name is maggie Derek, and i am author and an artist from Vancouver, Canada, where we are presently on the cusp of experiencing the hottest day of our summer so far, which is truly saying something. I write fantasy, urban fantasy, always of the queer variety, and um, I'm currently being accosted by Hastings the cat who is very screamy in the morning so apologies in advance if she gets right all up in our business. Hi Hastings, Hastings so do
0: whatever you gotta do.
1: Yeah. She, oh she will. Good. I love her. She's amazing.
0: Okay. And um because <laughs> you guys are both really good at it, Maggie has two books out technically. <laughs> <laughs> one that's almost finished out. Uh, you can read the first one and most of the second one for free on Wattpad. It's *The Star in the Ocean* and the sequel *The Wind in the Horizon*. Good job, guys! Thanks, Trey. You can read them—they're amazing. Welcome. It's an FF uh, fantasy. It's fantastic and beautiful. And read it. And Brie, you're up. Don't forget to plug yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Brianna Keenan. I that's so write... loud. Oh, sorry. So, yeah, yeah, it it's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Someone here has energy, thankfully. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh I am a traditionally published author. I write women kissing in whatever genre I feel like. That particular day. Uh I have a book out. It's called off pitch. It's a soccer cello romance. Well, cello list. It's not with the cello. <laughs> <laughs> a a soccer ball oh. meets cello. What happens next will surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Uh, oh no. Yeah, so you know romance women kissing and doing other things more in depth than kissing. There's Shit, sex guys. There's sex in it. Today. Um it's my birthday so go buy my book. Ah
0: uh, fuck. Happy birthday. How did I miss no, that? No.
1: No, I had it for tomorrow in my calendar. How the fuck did that happen? Happy birthday,
0: Bree! Happy Thanks. birthday. Holy That's
1: shit. Why I'm excited. We're such
0: bad oh people. Having why a party by myself. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> why
1: did you wait till we were... Why <laughs> I know. Why did you apple say apple this express? now? <laughs> I'm an asshole. Oh, oh no. That's me. I'm an asshole. Okay, I'm going to have to fix my... Calendar, because I'm, ha- I'm gonna get an alert today that says Bree's birthday is tomorrow. Wow. Oh no, motherfucker!
0: Happy We're birthday. bad at this. I love oh, you. Happy guys, birthday,
1: everyone! everyone Pause to celebrate my spouse who just brought me breakfast. Yay! Oh, hi Yay.
0: spouse. Good job, spouse.
1: Bring me breakfast too, and Maggie. And, Bring me uh, breakfast and Maggie. They just flipped me the bird. What? That's how we show that we love each other. Oh. You know
0: No, it's okay. I get it. I
1: totally understand. We all do. (laughs) Oh, God. Happy birthday, Bree. Jesus Christ. For real, Jesus.
0: (laughs) I love you. Happy fucking birthday. You're the best. (laughs) No, you're the
1: best. So really, do go buy her book because it's also the best and you love Bree so clearly more than we do because we're bad friends. (laughs) (laughs) The worst.
0: Okay, there we go. I've officially set it up for a reasonable time on my calendar
1: for next <laughs> I year. I are so lied to. How did this happen? I know.
0: Oh, well. Okay. Okay. Well, go buy Bree's book off pitch. It's in the description of the podcast every time, or at least when I've been posting them, I've been trying to post them. Uh-huh. Um, and same with the links to Maggie's story and Athena's books when Athena is here. Uh, Athena, when she is here, writes about, uh, rock stars and the girls that tame their wild hearts, rock star romance shit. It's good. Go read that too. If you like it. And then super kinky. Yeah great job oh. very important and then there's me hi my name is ray noble i am a queer writer and graphic designer and occasional doodle artist living in the pacific northwest just under maggie a few hours away uh it is also very hot here it's supposed to hit 95 today i'm gonna melt um actually i think the high is 95 and it's supposed to hit 93 so let's hope that's the case We're that all gonna die. and
1: all of our beaches are closed because of e coli so oh, oh
0: that yeah. sucks
1: rip the ocean yeah <clears throat>
0: Yeah. And yeah, so um, I've got my fan on Maggie's got her air con on I hopefully it won't be too much of an issue. And also I've got uh, my dog and at least two of my cats in the room with me today. And if they make any noises. Uh, oh, well, they're cute deal with it. Riona's is currently attempting to attack her cat tree like it is the devil and she is the uh, son of God attempting to kill it. So, you
1: know, that was really a really specific visual. <laughs> Thank you.
0: You should see the crazy eyes she's giving me right now. It it was it's reasonable for the moment. <laughs> oh, and she's gone. Anyway, so welcome to the Whip Pod. Today we are talking, like I said, about new projects and new things we fall in love with. However, I did want to have a quick check-in with Current Events Corner because some shit blew up this week in the uh, book community. Not just the Twitter book community either. This is a, like a legitimate thing that happened. Yeah, this
1: is fuck. it's fucked. It's fucked I'm pretty sure what you're talking about. I have a yes. little concept of time right now, so I'm pretty sure that happened it did
0: happen this week it happened at the beginning of the week and uh so i do not know anybody who was actually involved in this or anything i basically just saw it blow up um and it's fucking terrible honestly there is a or once upon a time i guess because she's not doing it anymore a agent working and who had created her own uh literary agency called lupine grove the agent's name was danielle smith and it seems like there's just a there's a lot of shit that she did wrong but one thing specifically is that she essentially um was giving her authors fraudulent um like I don't even know if it like fraud, like I don't know how to phrase it like she was she was forging
1: uh, she was forging offers it wasn't even the submissions yeah, cuz exactly what that's I what I mean like she it's was it's doing that. yeah it was
0: fraudulent offers from publishers to her Clients, so her authors, and then saying that they like ended up not going through or something like that, and it doesn't make any sense. I don't know what she the end game post Could have been here.
1: It was even. Oh no! It, it was worse than that. She would so she would forge these offer letters, and then she would counsel her clients not to take them, saying that they weren't fair. Or they weren't. Uh, she'd come up with some kind of bullshit like they weren't fair, or they they were bad deals, or they were worth more. So they would walk away from these deals at her behest. And it was, and of course she's counseling them not to take them because they're not fucking real.
0: Exactly. And it literally doesn't make any sense. I have no idea what, what the end game was here, but essentially to put it in layman's terms, uh, she is forging offers to buy people's books and then, like Maggie said, essentially coaching them not to take said offers that don't even exist in the first place. So it doesn't make any sense, and that came to light over the course of the last week or so, I guess. And so her agency closed, leaving at least one other agent now jobless because of it.
1: Uh, yeah. I didn't know about that part. I
0: found that out t- uh, this morning, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to talk about it. And um, basically leaving all of her uh, writers – a, without an agent, and B, a lot of them are coming out of the woodwork and basically saying that they like they were all losing hope because she wasn't getting them deals, and they didn't feel like their work was good enough, and she, they didn't understand what was happening, and it. I just feel so fucking terrible about it, but I didn't want to at the very least, like, point out some good because at least from what i've been seeing on the twitter community there have been a ton of people rallying around these authors and also this agent trying to make sure that they feel supported and helped in their time of need and so a lot of people are reopening their queries and stuff or taking queries specifically from these from these authors seeing if they can get them you know reagented with people who may actually have some you know ability to care for them and also um like other agents are helping this now homeless agent trying to get her into another agency that feels supported and there's one specific thing that actually is it's related but like came directly from this that has nothing to do with like other agents necessarily but um there's another podcast out there called print run podcast uh and they are two literary agents who basically sit and talk bookshop and stuff like that it's really cool and it's a fantastic podcast i'm not caught up on it at the moment but basically they're two really cool people who are very like just very open about everything in the book world that they know about and they do a lot of fun podcast topics and stuff so you should definitely check them out but also ever since this has been happening they caught wind of another agent who's doing something similar and has been for a few years yeah and they um are part of the i believe it's the titan Uh, media group and his name is mark gottlieb and they basically uncovered kind of what he was doing because it was being posted on things like query tracker and stuff that not all authors would be aware of to look for That are basically places that have like commentary on agents and like you know did this agent have good responses to this and this and this sort of interaction etc and um people had been posting there for a while saying that he Was not just doing the same thing But he also had He would do these things Where he would send out Submissions to like A hundred editors at once And just slam them And people were blatantly Not looking at his submissions anymore Because of it And then he'd be going back to his authors and saying like Oh this isn't good enough like obviously Nobody's interested nobody's getting back to me When basically he was just consistently behaving badly And not supporting his own authors Right and There was a lot of people who like he would Say here let me try to help you with this but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make you sign any contracts or I'm not gonna Sign any contracts with you so they didn't have any actual Support because he wouldn't sign contracts And yeah And so they did a fantastic job of making Sure that that came to light as well which I feel Like especially in a community like this where there's a lot of whisper forums but a lot of people who are not part of those whisper forums and a part of those whisper groups knowing about it constantly you know going back let's, in the same like, cycle yeah.
1: let's be honest most people are not part of the whisper network it's exactly. a great idea in theory but it's yeah. great that this is all out here
0: exactly mm-hmm. and so i just wanted to give them massive props um i don't know if any any listeners are listen to both of us but they are fantastic people they have done a fantastic podcast and they are doing their best to make sure that the authors in this community are you know being taken care of and hearing what they need to hear so i really appreciated that and i just wanted to shout out to that because there has been a light at the end of the tunnel for the terrible shit that's been going on in regards Mm -hmm. to this so
1: um and in regards and i'm I'm so ill-prepared i don't know if i can navigate away to it but when this was all going down, Athena had actually sent me some messages because she's part of a really cool network, um, like just rife with resources and stuff like that. And she had watched this conversation go down, uh, inspired by all of this. And one of the things, one of the bits of information she sent me, which I thought was really smart, um, is if you are someone who, you know, you're querying and an agent is interested. You, you, as the author, are completely within your rights to ask for references mm-hmm. from your agent. Um, there's a lot to be said, obviously, for doing your research ahead of time before you start just randomly pitching agents, and this is especially true in any of the pitch contests that are going on, like Pitch Wars or what have you, on uh, on Twitter, but you can also ask for references and, and things like that, just, just to really cover your bases.
0: Well- um, One thing that I saw as a recommendation that I had never really thought of before, but had seen it as a bit of advice roaming around previously, is that it's not an issue to approach another author that you know is repped by somebody and ask them, like, hi, how do you like your agent? Like, do you have a good relationship, etc? Like, especially if you know the person, that's that's doing your research. That's you talking to their, to their clientele. It's not like you're going in and asking some really, really secret stuff and being like, hey, will you tell me about all this drama? Like you're, you are interested in this person as an agent. This is their clientele. If they are an open person that you are able to talk to, or that you can find ways to contact in any way, shape or form. I think that's a really great resource. Like, I'm not saying you should use every writer as that, but like, Especially for people who are more public about saying, Hi, I'm repped by this person, I don't think it's a problem to like, and I liked that a lot of agents were bringing that up. They were like, Please check in on us, check in on our other authors, see what they have to say about us, and do your research that way too.
1: Yeah, I think, I think just because of like how coveted it is, the idea of getting an agent and being represented, I think a lot of authors kind of get it in our heads that like, you're lucky if you get chosen. By an agent they're doing you a favor and you're super lucky and basically don't look a gift horse in the mouth and that's not the case at all and a lot of and like the best agents will, will tell you again and again they work for the author their yep. job is to help facilitate an author's career and obviously help get them published so you're entering when you're signing a contract with anybody whether it's an agent or you know you're you know buying a house or
0: whatever, or yeah. Getting a
1: job. You are totally entitled. You're you're signing your name to something. You are entitled to do your due diligence. You're entitled to ask the questions and make sure that you're making an informed decision. So for all of you querying authors out there, don't forget that, you know, your agent your agent should never make you feel like you're you're lucky I picked you. This isn't the voice.
0: Exactly. You know, it's a it's a
1: partnership. So ask the questions
0: your agent works for you, technically. You and your success pays them. And you need to remember that, yes, even, you are their client, technically, and they should be there to help and support you in whatever ways you need. And you, for one thing, like that just comments on make sure that you're finding people that you feel can support your needs, for one thing. But also... Make sure that you feel comfortable talking to them about these things. You should never feel like you're annoying your agent. You should never feel like you're uncomfortable talking to your agent about any questions that you have. Your agent is your support system. And that's a super important thing that needs to be noted and needs to be remembered. Because like Maggie said, a lot of people feel like they're lucky for getting an agent, but there are thousands of agents out there and thousands of people that are, you know, submitting every day and getting offers and not getting offers and ultimately the reason that this agent is here for like here is so that you can get the best foot up possible and you can like do the best work that you can. And that agent works for you just as much as you are helping them get paid. So just, just remember that in, in, I don't know, in the big scheme of things, I feel like that's often forgotten is that they work for you. It is not the other way around. Yeah. So, okay. On that note, That was basically it. I just wanted to do a quick shout out and just talk about that just to remind people. And let's get into the actual topic, guys. So, like I said, we wanted to talk about uh, basically new projects and how we find what we're going to be working on next, how we decide what we're working on, and kind of how we begin, blah, 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 that good stuff. I know uh, Maggie has recently started on a new project, and Hmm. I know Bree has recently had a project or two up in the air, and (laughs) I am, hey, I was trying to be nice as possible there. (laughs) And I am always jumping from project to project, so I just thought that would be a fun conversation. And I thought that since Maggie just had her super fun writers retreat last weekend, that it would be a really good place for her to start off. If you wanted to, okay,
1: I could do that. Yeah. uh, If you listen to last week's episode, then you know that Athena and I were on this week-long retreat in the woods. We've we've hence since we've since called it the Blue Cottage. (laughs) writers retreat we truly think we're going to do it again next year because it was the most productive seven days of our lives um but it was like it was like starting a new project on fast forward because we had seven days that we really wanted to make sure that we maximized but when I really think about it like it started well before this I had mentioned last week that we've been taught we've kind of been half-heartedly talking about it for for a long time in fact I'm sure that even when we were in high school together, we were always like, one day we should write something together. Um, but obviously it's been happening more and more since we've actually started writing. Um, but it was always like, we should totally write, co-write something together one day. Yeah, for sure. We should do an urban fantasy because it's a good mix of what we like to do. Yeah, we've got to do it. And it would never, ever happen. And I don't really remember the, the, the true tipping point, but right before I got married... We ended up having this, like, massive brainstorming session, and and I think the biggest part of the problem was, like, we want, knew we wanted to write together, but and we, we knew the genre, and that was about it. We didn't, we had no real clue where to go from there. Um, and so we just kind of kept throwing ideas at each other and waiting for something to stick, but what's been really great about, what's, I think, great about co-authoring probably in general is that, like, it's double the ideas. And so, you know, she'll say one thing, and I'll be, oh yes, that's such a good idea. Oh, and then we can, and you kind of build off of each other and mm. there's like, honestly, that planning phase is so fun and so exciting. You just have to obviously make sure that once you're done, you actually take all those brilliant ideas and then make something out of them. Don't put all that good thinking to waste. But for the two of us, it was literally, I think the first day and a half, was just making a ton of decisions because it's not just the story we're writing. Um, Athena, for people who aren't super familiar with the way she did, she is a career writer and she's self published. She's got uh, a pretty substantial library behind her at this point. She's written a ton of stuff, so she's really familiar with how the marketing works and how like the ins and outs and the nitty gritty of self publishing work. She's she's good at this, she makes her living at it. So before we even got down to talking about what we were going to write, we had to make decisions about how we were going to get it out to the world. And, you know, were we going to write uh, many shorter books or just like a small group of longer ones? Were we going to just focus on Kindle Unlimited or were we going to go wide? And so we had to make all these business-like decisions up front. And I guess we could have made them later, but whatever. They still have to be made at some point. Um, And then it was just jumping into it and urban fantasy, fantasy in general, world building is so crucial. So it was coming up with the characters and their relationships and their backstories and then also coming up with lore, like literally having to write an entire mythology that would, you know, hold up this narrative and wouldn't have plot holes. Which we continue to occasionally find, and so it's like, get back on the conference call. (laughs) It's so much harder when she's on the other side of the country. I can't imagine. Oh man, I can't say enough about that FaceTime, and technology is amazing. There's no question about it, being able to like be on Skype, or messaging each other, what have you, but that FaceTime goes a long, long way. So, you know, we, we, and I think we've learned a lot about each other's writing styles, and I've taken... Things I've learned from her, and who knows if she's taken anything she's learned from me. But um, it it was great just to really spend that time fleshing it out ahead of time. Because before this, the only other thing that I've finished—I won't say that I've um, written—is something I spent you know 20 years fixating on mentally. So I had lots of time to plot it all out. Whereas this was the first time it's like, okay, got to come up lore, got to come up backstory gotta have it all figured out before you start writing and i don't have 20 (laughs) years to do it um but it's been fun it's been really cool to do all this world building and there's so many documents flying back and forth and what's really awesome is like we're inserting all of our like our favorite things and i'm we're like oh i hope people catch this influence i hope people know what this reference is because we're just you know we grew up in like the '90s. We were Sailor Moon fans. We were like into the older anime and shit when we were weeaboo teens. So we just, you know, we're we're. It's fun to just have this project where we're injecting all of our influences and going nuts and working together as friends who just like have always wanted to do this. So it's a little harder now that we're not just sitting across the table from each other and and poking at one another I and mean, being like. Hey, what do you think of this or what do you think of that? Like having that other person there to bounce ideas off of is super great. We've kind of joked at the idea of just opening up Skype and literally having it in another screen as we work, but that 3-hour time difference is a bit of a, mm-hmm. a bit of a challenge, so bit of a it bitch. It hasn't happened yet, but, you know, we'll see. Um, yeah, so that's like the one big new project and it's been a really cool experience, like I said, just cuz it's so different from everything I've ever done. And then at the side, like on the side, we both are in the same position where, you know, she has to continue publishing her own books because this is, we want to get like three of these books written before we actually start publishing for the sake of being able to have a good publishing schedule. Um, So it's going to be a while before these get out into the wild, but she has to continue publishing her own books and I have to continue writing my shit too. So on the side, on top of all of this and like our really, um, somewhat demanding word count schedule is the fact that I'm also blotting out and really uh, I should say fleshing out the final book in the Starborn series and, and just trying to figure out what to do with that bad boy and it's a little like it's a little daunting because I know it's the last book and so it it's a little emotional to be like I almost don't want to start it because if I start it that means it's over <laughs> you know oh, no. even though there's so much that has to happen between now and then. It's like, oh my god, this is it. This is it. This is the end. Holy shit. But plotting it out, fleshing it out, and really learning, uh, taking a lot of what I've learned from this co-writing with Athena and how to like really flesh things out a bit more. And uh, So really, a lot of plotting. like A lot of outlining and world building right now. But it's exciting. And also trying to pace myself because... I don't know if I mentioned this in the last episode, but I was accepted into a writing program, which I'll be starting in the fall, and it's not a full-time program, it's all part-time, so I can still work and what have you, but, congratulations, um, by the way. Thank you. I'm so pumped, I was a little, like, subdued in the beginning, because I kind of couldn't believe it, and now that I've had the time to let it simmer, I'm like, holy fuck, because I've wanted to get into this program, I've wanted to just, like, even apply for this program for ever. You're
0: amazing. And,
1: and then, I don't even know if I mentioned this when I told you guys about it, but I applied on a whim. It was really just timing, because what had happened is I had finished um, doing edits. I had finished my final edits for the Love and Bubbles anthology, so my submission for that was polished and finished, finally. And I was like, okay, this story is polished it's Stands on its own. And I got this email from Simon Fraser University that's like, by the way, the deadline to, to apply for the Writer Studios fall session is uh July 3rd. And I think at this point it was, you know, June 30th. <laughs> I was like, I'm curious. It's like there was no reason to have to, to rush myself, but I was like, I just wanna know. So I looked at their submission requirements and I'm like I have enough of a writing sample now, like a really good, clean, polished, you know, I wouldn't want to submit the the star in the ocean because I still think it needs to be polished up a bit and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, yeah, let's just see what happens. You know, for funsies. Why not? And I wound up getting accepted in the first round of admissions. So (laughs) that was pretty mind blowing. I'm excited. But that obviously means my fall is going to be full of writing and. I don't want to overextend myself either. So mm-hmm. going to have to play it by ear and see how things work with scheduling. But a lot on the go. So much fun, exciting stuff happening all at the same time.
0: Yay.
1: Woo-hoo.
0: That's amazing. I'm Thank so happy you. for you.
1: Thank you. I'm pretty pumped too. Pretty jazzed. Jazz hands.
0: Jazz hands. I do have a question. Since um, this project is all like obviously co-written and that sort of good stuff and it's a different a slightly different process than what you would usually do for picking stories like how mm-hmm. would you go about like when you are coming up with new ideas or trying to find new ideas for like when you were doing your short stories and stuff like how would you I- find one and decide that's the one
1: ooh <laughs> uh, i think it always like for me everything i've ever written starts with like a really weird kernel of inspiration I'm like, I like this, I need to figure out how to make it work. And I just keep picking at it until it expands. And so I mean, if we were to use this as an example, like this project that I'm working on with Athena, I think we had like the kernels were um, urban fantasy, and that we wanted to find a way to mesh our two worlds. The fact that I write queer fantasy and that she writes a lot of romance, but she's trying to, she's trying to branch out. This is what she, we're writing right now, what she's always kind of wanted to write, you know? Um, So how could we blend those two? And of course her, she's always looking at, you know, what's trending right now, what's doing well. And uh, I don't want to give too much away right now, but basically she's like, here's a thing that's, new and evolving, and I think will give us a lot of opportunity to explore and come up with a lot of really fun characters, and we'll let both of us do what we do best in our writing. And so we had urban fantasy and that one idea that will come out later, and we're like, okay, where do we go from here? And I think what I can say is it basically meant we had a big cast of characters, like a big cast of main characters, and we're like, okay we've got these guys, how do we fit them together? How do we build a lore? How do we make them work together? And uh, from there, it was just, like I said, it was spitballing ideas back and forth. But if I were to think about, um, like my Love and Bubble submission, for example, I had no ideas. When it first came out, I was like, duh. Uh, But Gavin was like, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. If you read the Kickstarter, they had written all these, Kind of like, it could be about, you know, mermaids. It could be about selkies or sea witches or blah. And so basically I, I was like, ooh, you know mean witches. That's my jam. And I'd never even considered it. I was like, oh, sick. A sea witch. I like this idea. Or a water witch or whatever. I like this. But the caveat, the thing about the, these submissions is that it had to do with being underwater. That was the big thing yeah so I was like okay how do I make a story about a water witch that still takes us under the under the sea and so that was my it's almost it's almost like a challenge it's almost like I pose a little challenge to myself and in trying to solve it that's where the story comes from if that makes sense yeah Is it that does an answer yeah okay no I like that
0: <laughs> sorry I had to go on with the big hitting question no I like it I'd,
1: I'd never thought about it before but oh good
0: Fun. I guess it. I think this topic really ties into um, one we've already done about, like, where we get our ideas from and stuff, but I think it looks at it in a different way because it's one of those things where, yeah, we all know, like, everybody gets ideas from different places, etc., but how do you decide to act on those ideas, mm. you know, and because, like, I know Brie and I have massive slush piles of stories that we would or want to write, but also like there's a ton that I will never write just because I don't have a big enough draw to it for whatever reason. It's not something that I look at and say, I have to write this story. It's something that I think of and I'm like, Oh, this would be a fun story to have. Or like, you know, maybe on a rainy day, if I ever didn't have anything that I was working on, or like maybe a fun project or something like that. But it's not, there are so many that I would never actually commit to. And, yeah, I don't know, I I just think it's, I think that's an interesting decision, is to see how you end up deciding to actually work on things, and which ones end up being the the real story, versus ones that just end up being forever slush piles. I don't
1: know. Well, like, I've got, yeah, and I mean, I don't have a huge slush pile compared to to the two of you, by (laughs) by the the imagination. But the stories that I'm not actively working on I feel are the ones that I haven't quite finished figuring out because you, you guys know me I am I am a plotter to the end of days mm-hmm. I can't pants to save my life so I was <laughs> I've got this one story idea this like one young adult witchy type thing that I really really want to work on but basically I've got a beginning and a vague ending and nothing in between and I'm like okay I can't commit any more brain power to this until and it's not even a case of, like, I could sit down and probably really try to force it. But right now, it's a, it's a complete blank page. And I've got nothing. And I'm like, meanwhile, I have these other projects on the go that I have figured out and I've got the inspiration for. So I'm going to work on these. And we'll see if, like, just life ends up generating any, uh, any inspiration to, to fill in that blank page right in the middle of the story. Because right now, everything else is kind of inspired by, like, even my favorite things or real-life experiences, or a combination of both. So I just figure eventually something's good. And it's the same thing with, like, The Star in the Ocean, right? It took 20 years because I wasn't ready, and eventually the pieces just sort of fell into place. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I'm ready to work on this story. And I think this is what will happen with this other one eventually. It's the pieces will fall into place, and I'll be like, oh, that's what the actual story is. <laughs> I'm ready to write it. But, but all that said, like I said, I don't have a huge slash file how do you guys decide what stories in those slush piles get your attention? <laughs> Aside from, it's just what I you can't say it's what I felt like this day. You have to oh, expand. I
0: was going to say, I learn. feel like that might be hard for uh, Brie to answer. The
1: default answer. That's it's my tagline. Text. It is. Oh, well, too bad. I'm um, more substance than that. How do I choose? Uh. Okay, so not just what I feel like, but like the thing that I have ideas for that day or, um, like, when I was writing off pitch and I was writing Unbecoming Humans at the same time, not a thing I recommend, uh, but it was an adventure. Uh, it was like, okay, well, I'm stuck in this story, so I'll go try to work on this one for a little while, um, and sometimes that helped me get unstuck, so mm-hmm. that's that was helpful sometimes um and sometimes it was like oh well I've been updating pretty regularly on Wattpad so I have to go write Unbecoming Humans right now that was one of the interesting things about web publishing which I'm sure you can attest to Maggie is like you have to have that thing done by that time so if you're not feeling it it's like just get it done <laughs> yep <laughs> too bad so sad people Except are waiting later. god damn it And they're all getting pissed because you haven't updated um yeah. But right now it really is just whatever I feel like, which is um I mean sometimes I open up my slash pile folder in, in my Google Docs and I look through stuff and I'm like, What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> like I, I just wrote like a sentence about something and I'm like, what the fuck, three? What were you doing? Who knows? What does this even mean? I don't know. Um Yeah. Uh, so things that make sense to my brain at the time or, um, like sometimes I feel like writing gritty sci-fi stuff and sometimes I feel like writing fluffy romance stuff. Um, sometimes my gritty sci-fi leaks into my fluffy romance and I'm like, oh, (laughs) Um, (laughs) there's so much grit in my fluff. (laughs) Oh, I love it.
0: Well, I guess I'll answer that question. Mine is not exactly based on feelings. I need to have a dynamic in mind for it, if that makes sense. And I'm just going to use uh, my superhero, anti my anti-hero superhero story as an example, because it came out of nowhere. It came out of a uh, funny Twitter slash Tumblr meme that I really liked the words of. And so I was like, oh, this is what I want a romance to be like. I'm going to write that. In my spare time because I can and then it ended up kind of being uh, slightly more all encompassing than I imagined it would be. And it literally started with me and first words. And that's almost always where it has to start with me. I will always have dialogue as the thing that makes me start something because I need to hear characters voice in my head. I can have so many character ideas and so many ideas for stories and for characters that would be good in these stories, but if I cannot hear their voice in my head, I cannot write them. End of the story. And in this case, uh, Sarah, who is the main character here, is a very 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 loud voice <laughs> and she blatantly like as soon as i started like reading the meme i had this entire like almost entire idea of this character in my head and it was just a matter of figuring out the world around her and it was literally like I- i'll i read the initial thing because i've actually posted it on twitter once upon a time but the initial uh like d- dialogue here was literally the um hey did you see that i didn't shoot you <laughs> because the idea is that somebody is pointing out that they didn't kill the other person and i really thought that was just fucking hilarious and i just imagined the dialogue going like hey did you, did you say i didn't shoot you and the other person going oh my god but you did this to me instead <laughs> and so in this case sarah was pushed off a building <laughs> And because they are superheroes, they superpowers, nobody died, it's fine. And so literally the inter- interaction is them having this weird, awkward, like, hey, I didn't kill you, I-, I could have, but I didn't. And the other person going like, what the fuck, are you kidding? And it literally just spiraled, spiraled from there. I had two almost fully realized characters in my head just from that dynamic, like discovering that dynamic and discovering that conversation, because I was able to figure out, okay, why aren't they like fighting together why are are they enemies are they just in a bad situation why did she not shoot her to begin with what is the situation here what's this relationship and like basically just that dialogue opens up so many questions for me to answer as the creator and as the writer and it makes it really 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 easy to me to figure out where to go from there and so i will never start anything off never start a story if i do not have the first words or at least the first run of dialogue basically. Uh, because I'm kind of one of those people that like, I'll be sitting in the shower or like driving home from work, and I'll just have randomly out of nowhere, the first lines to a story pop up. And usually that's how I've gotten and stuck with all of my bigger ideas is because I found the first words of something and was able to go go from there. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how I find it. I find I have slush ideas and slush piles. And then one day, a line just jumps out and says, oh, hey, it's me. I'm this story. And then goes from there. So, Aww. yeah. Like that. Oh, thank you. I don't know. It's a little bit weird. And as we know, I'm kind of in the weird um, pantser plotter mashup, depending on the day. And <laughs> so it's kind of hard for me when things kind of just pop out of the ether to be a fully committed plotter. But I do I do some plotting. And usually when I do start with a like with a first line like this, I do. Like I said, I pull back to those questions, and that's essentially me creating a plot and creating a reason and cr- creating the the hows and the why of the scenario. So, so yeah, that's that's me. That's what I do. So yeah.
1: Hot diggy dog.
0: Hot dang it, guys.
1: Let me but s- is that so? Uh, uh, was that an answer? That felt like an answer to both questions, like the slosh pile question. And you're just general. I guess like, so. how do you start a new project?
0: I also, I don't think I have, like, a full-on slosh pile like Brie does. Because um, <laughs> Brie has, like, a list. A legitimate list of, of things.
1: I would not say it's so organized as a list, but it's a, it's, there's a, a lot. Versus the very definition of a slosh pile. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas... Big.
0: Yeah, mine is basically I have things that I just every once in a while I want to write. Like it's like I want to write a lesbian werewolf novel or like a re- lesbian werewolf series. I want to do my uh, like lesbian Beauty and the Beast stuff. Like there's lots of random things that I have that are not really full ideas. They're just kind of like I don't know. They're 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 vague cloud <laughs> like amorphous things that could easily overlap with each other and could easily become stories within each other. And so it's just kind of like, this is a thing that I'd like to do. And this is a thing that I'd like to do. But who knows if it's actually going to ever happen or if it's just going to be another part of another story, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. I don't have like yeah. a, I want to write a 19 year old girl who's a werewolf and blah, blah, blah. This is what happens. And this is that idea. And I'll write that later. I don't, I don't have those. That's way too specific for me.
1: Yeah, it's like having a pile of puzzle pieces, but they're not pieces to the same puzzle. But sometimes they fit together anyways.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And so it's just one of those things where you kind of have to figure out what works where. And if like if you sit around and you mull over something for long enough, which I personally do believe is a massive part of the like writing process is just being and being in the moment and thinking about it and daydreaming, dreaming about it, because that's how you find your plot. That's all of this is happening in your head because you're thinking about it, not because you're sitting down staring at a a, blank document. If you give yourself long enough to figure it out, you will eventually find ways to slowly piece together and string together these ideas and these topics and these plots and these themes and these characters. It just takes a while sometimes and some need some stories need more time than others, others magically appear within a few minutes. Like I leave your dreams. <laughs> Fever Dreams, exactly. Like, yeah. I literally had uh, all of my stuff for Did You See I Didn't Shoot You within, like, 10 minutes. I basically was like, what is this plot? I love this plot. How do I do a one-shot based off of this plot? And then that one-shot turned into 30,000. So, you know, shit happens. It's great. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's a great story.
0: Oh, thanks. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I feel like that did hit both things, but I don't know. I do not know. Yeah. Let me see if I had any other exciting questions. Ooh, my other one was uh, what does it take to get us started on those projects? Which I actually think is an inter- kind of interesting question mm-hmm. because. At least I know that I'm one of those people that, like, if I do not have that first word necessarily, or that first, like, sentence, or I have that, but I don't really have anything else, I can be a big procrastinator. I mean, I procrastinate about everything all the time anyway, but, like, I can especially do it with stories, and I can be like, I don't have this and this and this, so I obviously cannot write this and this and this, even though I could have started other stories by not having whatever was on my list for that, so yeah like what what does it take for you to find that story that you know you want to write and go i need to write this like what was that and let me know if this is too personal of a question for you maggie but like uh especially for like the star in the ocean which is as you've said something that you've sat and worked on for 20 years in different mediums however like what really took you to that moment where you're like i need to write this
1: uh it was coming out oh for me um because I think I've mentioned this before, originally, and I think anyone who's reading The Wind in the Horizon might be getting a taste of this, but originally, uh, this was M's slash Audrey's story, and it was her perspective, and originally it was about wind, and it was about the work that they were doing, Um, and May wasn't wasn't even realized. It was a super, super different story. Um, And again, I don't want to reveal too much, but let's say where, you know, Audrey's story ends and M's begins. Like for the longest time, I was like, I don't know where to go with these characters because I don't see, I can't figure out what the ending of it is. Like with the way that they have, with the way that they're, world and their existence is like I don't know how this is going to get resolved and then M came along and was really just bitter and angsty and directionless and I'm like I really don't I don't know I don't know what to do with this and then I had I mean I'd sort of already long since come to terms with my own bisexuality but it was coming out I think that really one that's where, that's when I I kind of found May, and thought, okay, let's let's explore all of this from her perspective because I also thought like, God, this is so much to drop someone into. There's so much lore. There's so much blah. So how about we learn it from somebody else's perspective? We experience it from someone else's perspective. But then. For me, it was an opportunity to express myself. Um, it's something that I remember having this conversation with someone at a reading. Um, I think like the ultimate catalyst for me when it comes to choosing to have an idea in my head versus writing it down is knowing what I want it to be in the world, like what my plan is for that story when it's done. And... For me, it was, I I need to write the story now because it's the way that I am going to express myself. In a world where, you know, when a a bisexual person always struggles with the fact that they are passing as one or the other. You're either passing as straight or you're passing as gay. Um, And your bisexuality is so... Uh, hidden in a way. It's it's much harder to demonstrate. It's much harder to present as bisexual in a world that is really, really determined to see you as one or the other. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I was living my life. I came out and everyone's like, what does this change? And I'm like, I guess it doesn't change anything for you, but for me this is monumental, like this is huge. And I realized like I need a way to participate in my community and I need a way to express myself in a world where I'm being told to be either straight or gay. And for me, writing this story writing M and Mae's story was how I how I did that. I was finally getting to tell Audrey and M's story but I was getting to do it through a queer lens and I needed that and it was so it's been it's been everything to me it's how I've participated in the queer community and it's how I've really been able to express myself and so and that's a big part of the reason why the story is so personally important to me and then with other stories it's been things like you know the witch's patron was written because I I'd, I'd written it originally as like a short story uh, and then NaNoWriMo came around. It's like, I always need a, I need a reason, right? So so NaNoWriMo came around, and yeah, yeah okay. And I spit and out this manuscript, and it was good. <laughs> and then I wrote A Happy Place for the Love and Bubbles Anthology, because I was like, I want a story to submit to this anthology. It's <laughs> <was> also good. <laughs> you know? And, and sometimes and it absolutely. just happens,
0: because you need it to happen, <laughs> like in that case. and it,
1: like. But like, for, yeah, exactly. But I I never would have sat down and been like, I have this idea about a an art witch and her dragon familiar, and I want to write it. Like, it's just never been, I feel like what takes me, I love the story, and I'll play around with it in my brain, but the thing that takes me from idea to putting the words down is, what am I going to do with it when it's done? And With the Starborn series, it has been, I need this for me. I need to be able to just, like, use this story as a way to express my identity. And then with everything else, it's been, like, I want something to submit to this publication, or I want to have something finished by the end of NaNoWriMo. And they're all silly reasons to write, but at the same time, if they get the job done, who fucking cares? (laughs) You know, <laughs> I just feel like if there's no end game, if I don't have an idea, if I don't have a, a reason to put it down, then I'll just keep the story in my mind because then it's just for me, mm-hmm. right? It's just like if I'm just in love with the idea, but I have no intention of sharing it in any capacity, well, then I'll just keep it in my brain and I'll keep playing with it for forever because then it's like a private movie, and I don't have to share it with anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's maybe a little long-winded but that's that's my answer and i'm sticking to it no i like that i like that a lot and i think
0: that makes sense for you too mm-hmm. like just knowing you it makes sense <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Uh huh.
0: and then we know the breeze answer is i just feel it
1: <laughs> yeah. well like to start a story i need to have a premise and i need to have at least one character like i need i need a person in the world what? You need have to have- that? yeah I don't need a plot necessarily like, I, but I need a general idea like road trip romance um, okay great so wait okay romance, so I know but. that with Unbecoming Humans you dre- it came from a dream but did you dream the entire idea or have you or did you just dream the nugget like the seed and then have you pants your way through the rest of those two books the dream came from a really really tiny scene or was it was just a really tiny moment and then like I woke up from the dream and the whole thing just like vomited out of my brain in a matter of minutes and I was like whoa <laughs> <laughs> alright writing a book <laughs> I wonder if I still have the original notes that I wrote when it happened because that I would be amazing because it was probably like 3 in the morning or something and I was just like <gasps> ah, panic <laughs> all the notes oh. <laughs> it was kind of like what you did with I didn't shoot
0: you. But. Yeah. 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 Oh, I feel that. I tend to get inspiration all at once and then have to find ways to divvy, divvy it out here and there yeah. <laughs> and keep on to that momentum. So I feel you. <laughs> yeah. Which is why things just don't get finished in this corner of the universe. But it's okay. Frankenstein's going to change that this week. Anyway.
1: Hells yeah. Hells
0: yeah. Yes, yeah. Ooh, actually, I can, I'll use Frankenstein as an example, because Frankenstein, um, it's not actually Frankenstein retelling. I just there's elements of so I, I've just kind of been calling it Frankenstein. It's also Neon Lights Nuclear Science slash Gay Science, whatever. <laughs> and it's a kind of paranormal science fiction fantasy blending. Kind of, it's a little bit different than what I would usually do, but it's it's sets up good foundations for the world that I write in pretty consistently, and so that's kind of why I decided to go for it. And I actually got the idea from it for uh from it wait for it from wow that was hard for it from a song, um, "Fluorescent Lights" by Stars, and I it was one of those moments where I had listened to the song on repeat maybe like two or three times because I'm one of those people and. About the third time around, I ha- had fallen in love with this very specific line in the song. Uh, it, like, I think it's, uh, can't find love under fluorescent lights or something like that. And I just had this vivid imagery of this couple. And then I just all of a sudden had this entire plot plot behind them. And it was just... It happened within a few minutes on a walk. I had from point A to point B within seconds and just knew all of it right there because the line shocked something out of me and just made my brain start going of, av- and made my brain start thinking, well, what if this line is possible? I'm like, what would happen in this? And how would I make it something that I would write and not just be a contemporary love story and just kind of spiraled from there? And then I started writing it that night and have basically stuck to the same plot since it's an immediate like creation and like it just happens sometimes sometimes all of it just plops in front of your face and I totally get that like it's something that happens with me fairly often when I'm finding things I can't force myself to sit down and like find the plot because I'm I'm forcing myself to sit down and find the plot it's not going to be good it's going to be shitty it's going to be contrived it's going to feel like every other story in the same genre because I'm just going to be basing it off of that rather than something that's actually coming from like the depths of my brain Remember oh man is. i'm
1: the complete opposite i've never had an, an entire story come to me i've had i've only ever been able to start with that kernel and i've had to do the i've had to sit down and be like all right i think what <laughs> maybe helps me is like this is the worst thing i hate admitting this out loud i haven't necessarily <laughs> read widely in the genres <laughs> that i write so that's okay. maybe i yeah, it, it is, until you have to come up with comp titles for <laughs> you. That's true. Which, by the way, anyone who has, you know, read The Star in the Ocean, if you have any comp titles, you let me know. <laughs> so far, nobody I've talked to has been able to come up with something.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Well, that's... <laughs> like a problem. Well, I mean, comp titles are fairly new to the querying world, all things considered, so I don't think it's the worst they, problem in the world.
1: It So here's the thing. It is... But it, it's relatively new, but now it's like it's a standard. Yeah, every agent I see talking about it, like you better have a comp title, and they don't want to hear this is brand new and and completely different. And I'm mm-hmm. like, but I don't know, I don't know. Like the closest things I've gotten is everyone's like, I get Moana vibes from it. I'm like, well, yes, obviously, it on an island, like, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, like finding yourself, etc. Mm-hmm. And I dig it. I love Moana, um, but. But I can't give that as a comp title. It's a little misleading. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> no. Yes, yes it it is. Is. And then I've had a couple people say like something about it reminds me of Stardust by Neil Gaiman, which is also neat, but also really different too. Like it's it's always the vibe I get. But you can still comp t- titles. You can still get, like, do that.
0: Like that. That's what I don't. I feel like you're finding comp titles isn't finding something that's exactly the same as your story or something like you can do comp titles for the vibe you can do it for this like the genre and similarities you can do it for similar characters you can do it for similar content you can do comp titles for anything so you could blatantly be like with the uh like I don't know. This is just me coming up with a sentence off the top of my head, so it's not going to be good. But like, with a similar setting to Moana and the um, like, aesthetic essence of Stardust, you know, like there, there are there are ways to make that work for you still. Because I do see the relation to Stardust, and I think that's still reasonable. I don't think that that would just from what I've seen and what I've seen be successful. I think that is still legit because it's not saying like, oh my, this is my a similar plot, this is a similar character, but it's like. For Stardust, this is a similar backstory. Like, this is a similar mythology, which is a really hard thing to capture. Um, And then, like, with Moana, it's a similar... I don't want to say setting, because I feel like it's not just setting, obviously. Like, yes, it's a Hawaiian-style area, but, like, there's more to it than that. You're capturing how much, like, these people love where they are, and you're capturing, like the the A little bit of the culture And that's that's also what you're looking for here So you just have to figure out a way to spin that in a sentence And I mm-hmm. think it makes sense to me So
1: yeah like mo- I remember A good comp title though I will say I always kind of was like alright I guess I've never been the sort of person who Was ever swayed by comp titles Until I saw the marketing For Shea Earnstrong's Ernst, oh, Earnshaw I don't remember, Earnstrong Jesus Christ uh, The Wicked Deep, which just came out this year, and it was the um, her publisher was basically saying like for fans of Practical Magic and Hocus Pocus, and it was like, well, fuck yes, sign me up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love both those things, but the book wound up being like, it wasn't, re- it it certainly wasn't lighthearted. That's for sure. Basically, it was like witches and curses and and lore. Yeah, so I was like, all right, I dig it. It wasn't funny, but it was witchy. And I was like, okay, I see it now. I get the point behind comp titles. They got me. No Witches will get me every time. No, I feel you. <laughs> I mean,
0: like, part of the reason that I have a, a comp title, I, I have comp titles for Witch Girl, and it's specifically because of the, fa- like, family dynamics slash the witches. And I've got Practical Magic and Labyrinth Lost. Those are my two comp titles. And I feel like it makes a lot of sense for the story. And I also do think that it would get, like, if I use that as a, like, as a draw for people to try to. Get into it. I think that it would make a lot of sense, and I think that they would be legitimate cop titles. So I feel you. Like it can do a lot for marketing itself as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: All us need to. You oh, I,
0: don't know. I think you. I think that you have legitimate cop titles, even if they are a little bit different than what most would be. Because okay, think about it: Moana plus Stardust. Like think of looking at that at a pitch. You'd be like, "What the fuck? How would they go together?" I need to read that.
1: Hopefully hopefully everyone feels the exact same way I'm
0: doing finger guns, you just can't see them <laughs> But I can feel them That's what matters is You can feel the pew-pews <laughs> That's all that matters, the pew-pews of love The pew-pews of love <laughs>
1: If we had a naming scheme, like My Favorite Murder, that would be the name of the title of this episode. Yes. You,
0: actually, I can still name it that because I don't really have a great title for this one. <laughs> yeah, and we are talking it, about it my, my title so far was uh, New Love and New Projects, which is not funny to me. So Pew Pews of Love is what it is now. <laughs> nice. Thank you. nice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. And actually, on that note, um, per my recorder, we are actually close to our time today, guys.
1: hot diggity dog it's amazing how
0: much more on schedule we are when we're down a person (laughs) i feel like we're either way over because we all get off track or we hit exactly the mark when we're down a person anyway i guess in that case does anybody have any shout outs or anything
1: i do (gasps) i would like to shout out to the burnaby public library because i and i can't even find there yesterday. and there all the time. I fucking love libraries, man. Libraries are the shit. And I really love the Burnaby Public Library. But I was there yesterday picking up some books and I noticed in the teen section they had these bookmarks printed out because Burnaby uh, next weekend is Vancouver Pride, which is super, super exciting. And if you are, are in Vancouver and you are queer or you are an ally, make sure you get out. Um, make sure you come out to the Dyke March on 4th because that's a big deal and it's a ton of fun and just a really great solidarity movement. Um, And and it takes you up commercial drive, which is also the shit. Um, But that's not related to what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the fact that the following weekend, um, Burnaby has their own little pride, I guess. I didn't know this. And uh, the Burnaby Public Library is going to be participating, which I think is just great. And I love that they put these little bookmarks in the teen section. Uh, and I just love that they, they're creating this kind of supportive, uh, safe space for teens. who they, I, I, And I have to say, Burnaby Public Library stocks a ton of, like, of queer young adult fiction. And I love them for it. Aww. So shout shoutouts to them and just like the entire VPL system because VPL and VPL, they're kind of connected, but they're kind of not. And they just, they're great. Support your local libraries. They're awesome. Shout the fuck out. I agree. I thought I did. I feel like I've just been like doing and connecting with so many cool things and just can't keep track of them all. But that was the one that really stuck.
0: oh I like that one. That's a good one. Thanks. I like it.
1: Thanks. I'm
0: pretty proud of it too. Uh, Brie, you got anything good? Nope,
1: I'm lame over here.
0: That's okay. Don't have to have a shout-out every time. And I already did my shout-out for the episode earlier, but just a quick reminder, check out the Print Run podcast. Um, I will have them linked and retweet some shit on the Twitter, too. So if you wanted to go ahead and check them out that way. And... Basically, that's it. Uh, I did mention werewolf lesbians on this, so I feel that it is my duty that if you do want werewolf lesbians, please go check out Michelle Osgood's books. It's been a while since I have shouted her out, even though she is my queen and she's perfect and I love her so much. So go read The Better to Kiss You With if you like werewolf lesbians. Thank you. Timely,
1: because... Michelle Osgood is a big part
0: of the Dyke March, so oh yay! Yeah, we're her. gonna see each other
1: next weekend. She's amazing
0: and she's fantastic, and I highly recommend reading her fabulous fucking books. Please do it. Okay,
1: werewolves,
0: werewolf a lesbians, woo. and also other queer people. And the second one, it is a uh, n- non-binary slash female, and like it, it, she's so inclusive and she's so good. She's so good.
1: She's a woo, woo, a woo, a woo, a woo.
0: A woo. <laughs> That should be oh, your new sign off woo. Oh, woo. <laughs> okay
1: bye Awoo oh, <laughs> We all just start
0: howling Well that is the sign off for Buffering Cast But I just thought it would be cute if it was just oh, woo, <laughs> Because oh, woo. they do They actually howl at the end of Buffering Cast Which oh, is okay. adorable
1: uh, We can't do that because all of a sudden the Booth in the next room would start screaming too And be like what is it what is it what are we doing <laughs> Exactly everybody <laughs> would, would freak
0: out then. So like I think a soft oh, woo is cute <laughs> gentle howl into the night anyway uh (laughs) on that note let's go ahead and wrap this baby up thank you guys so much for listening we always appreciate you we are so happy that you listen to us and spend your time with us if you would like to get in contact with us you can reach us at our email which is talk to whip at gmail.com you can reach us on our podcast uh twitter which is the whip pod and also, we all have separate and personal Twitters that we retweet, etc. on said link to. You can also check out our website, which is just the thewhippodcast.com. Maggie has made that recently beautiful again. So please take a moment to gaze upon her beautiful work. And all of the links, etc. for everybody's stories and work will be in the description of the podcast below. And once again, it's also really easy to find if you are hanging out on our Twitter at all. If you guys want to talk to us, please let us know! We want to talk to you! So please talk to us on Twitter, etc. And also, also, also the usual, if you do like us, if you would like us to be in other people's ears, please rate and subscribe and review us on apple podcasts or whatever your podcast app is if you can do that because we would very very much appreciate it we would love to get into as many ears as possible because we love writers and we want to talk to more writers and other creatives because we technically all do more than just writing here so that's it that's house cleaning that's wrap up did i miss anything (laughs) house cleaning (laughs) house cleaning housekeeping whatever no I think that's good you did a great job oh thank you thank you very much yay good job guys we will see you soon and have a great rest of your weekend bye awoo awoo